Good morning and welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will need a bulletin this morning to follow along to the hymns and the readings, and if you turn to the back of it, you'll see a number of announcements for this incoming week and, in fact, month. Um, our next church members' meeting will be held. If you guys can turn my mic down at the back a little bit before I blow someone's eardrum completely out, as well as my own. Our next members' meeting will be held uh, on the 17th of December here in the church building after the evening service. If you are a member of our church, we strongly recommend that you show up and you make your presence felt at that meeting. If you're a regular attendee, as also, you're more than welcome to attend. The um, agendas have been sent out and the different things via email, so make sure you check that before the meeting itself. Uh, next Lord's Day, not December 12th, so if you're planning to come on December 12th for food, you'll be greatly disappointed. That's my fault. It should say December 10th. Uh, that's next Lord's Day morning. After morning worship, we will have a time of fellowship. You can see the various things that we're planning to bring for the family, so please, if you can, bring a hot dish to share. And then lastly, we do plan to visit our local community with our regular Christmas outreach where we deliver a calendar and an invite to come on Christmas Eve for the morning worship. So if you're able to come, we plan to go out December 16th for an hour in the morning. Uh, we'll plan to be here by 10.30 to pray before we go out and then head out around 11 a.m., Lord willing, if the weather permits. These are all the announcements, and of course we make them subject to the will of our great God. Let's take a few moments now and let's prepare our hearts for what we're about this morning, worshiping our great God the one true and the living God. So let's take a few moments now in silence. Our call to worship comes from the book of Psalms in Psalm chapter 8 this morning. Psalm 8 where it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Let us together now offer up the sacrifice of praise as we join together in singing hymn number 79, Though Troubles Assail Us. Number 79, if you're able, please stand to sing.
If you will, please remain standing and turn forward to hymn number 147. O come, O come, Emmanuel. 147. Let us now come to God in prayer. Let us pray.
Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we come into your holy presence this morning, our dependent upon you, our great God. Even as we've sung, troubles come, troubles assail us, dangers come, they may affright us. And yet even as we've sung, you're a God who provides. And Lord, this morning are we come with joy in our hearts. Joy indeed that is not upon anything of us, but upon you, our great and our glorious God. Even as we were reminded this morning, Lord, help us to come to your presence humbly. In awe and in adoration of who you truly are. The one true and living God. The one who sent his son. The one who had his son die on a cross for us. Lord, this morning perhaps we've come in discouraged. Perhaps we've come in tired after a busy week. Perhaps, oh Lord, this morning we've come in confused and not knowing. Lord, help us to stop. And help us even now to be reminded of the great God that you are. A God who helps us, a God who enables us, and a God who has given us this very day, this day that we can come and worship you, our great God. Lord, we may have come in with hearts that are unprepared. Forgive us. We may have come in rushed and and different things happening happening to us even this morning. We pray now that we would, as it were, quiet in our hearts and our minds. That as we come to worship and to marvel at your glory, Lord, that we would do so in awe and in adoration. May it be that we would even fall to the very ground because of who you are. Your word reminds us that indeed you are a holy, holy, holy God. And even this day, even this very hour, we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed. This past week, O Lord, we have not lived lives that are according to your word and what you have commanded us from it. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. Not in a us asking in a half-hearted way, but with indeed true repentance. With a desire to please the holy Holy, holy God. We ask, O Lord, that in these days we would take our sins more serious than we do. Even as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, even as what we were reminded this morning that how we conduct ourselves and even our aura that we bring, we pray that it would be pleasing to you. That it would be saturated in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who bled and the one who died on our behalf. The one who this morning we come clothed in, not in our own dirty, filthy, rotten rags, but in his perfect, spotless, majestic robe, O Lord, clothed in his righteousness. Lord, we pray that we would see ourselves for what we are that we would be reminded, even that we would look at ourselves with, with judgment day honesty. And we would confess our sins, Lord. 
that we would truly see how sinful a people we are at times, how corrupt we are. And yet this morning we have access to the very throne room of heaven, not in any merit of ours, but all through Christ. Lord, encourage our hearts in these things. Show us your power in these days, even to this congregation this morning with many who have come in who know you not. Our children, O Lord, are those who are regular attendees who have not put their faith and trust in you. Lord, we pray today would be the day of salvation. And we ask, O Lord, that we would hear that wonderful news of a sinner coming to saving faith. Lord, we know indeed that you are a good and a, and a just God and a merciful God. Lord, remind us of these things in these days. We do thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the pages of scripture that we can readily open and read. Lord, we pray that we would be people of your word in these days. Not adding to it or taking away from it but that we would be faithful to the pages of Scripture alone. Lord, even this morning, we thank you for many in. We thank you for many visitors and for our families in, O oh Lord. What a blessing it is to come to the house of God and to hear many voices, even raising praise to you in song. Lord, we pray for each one individually. Even as we think of our our family matters, and those who indeed, O oh Lord, are even hurting and, and going through difficult waters in these days. We pray that even this hour would be that tonic and that balm to their soul. Even as the saints raise their voice in song, as prayers go forth, as your word is read, and as is expounded, O oh Lord, and even in your mercy and in your blessing that we can meet around your table this day, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would encourage us. We pray for those that are downcast, those that are, are walking through hard and difficult things, some having to make very hard decisions, having to deal with difficult circumstances. Lord, we pray that you would meet them at the point of their need. Even as we read this morning in all age Sunday school, O oh Lord, that they would rejoice and be joyful. Why? Because their hope is found in you. And Lord, what we pray for those gathered in, we pray for those that would long to be here. And this morning, our hearts again go out to Mark and Nicole and little Charlotte and the family. Lord, if we're being honest, it feels like we've taken 10 steps back. And yet we know it's according to your will. And so we lean heavily upon that this morning. But we pray for our dear brother and sister in the Lord. We ask that you would be their comfort that you would even be their delight through a difficult, a circumstance that many of us really can't fathom, O oh Lord. And yet you are with them. And we pray for them this very hour that you would encourage their hearts, no doubt discouraged and downcast and wondering why. We cry, O oh Lord, that they would be leaning heavily upon you, that you indeed would be that sure and steady anchor. Even in a time of unknown, in a time of uncertainty, we are sure that you are our God. 
in that you are the greatest physician. And this morning we come and we beg of you, we plead of you, that you would sustain this little one's life. That you, O Lord, would use those who on this earth have skills to go about their tasks. That you would enable those, those doctors and nurses. We ask, O Lord, that you would even do a miracle in this little one. Help us to have faith that would believe in these things. But help us also to know that you are a God who does all things well, whatever that may be. And Lord, we pray that you would be near to Mark and Nicole and to the children as well, O Lord. We even pray for sickness and illness, that you would help them with, with severe physical tiredness, that you would enable them to rest in their bodies. We even pray this week for even Mark and his job and the many trials that come there. We ask, O Lord, that you would be with our brother. Encourage him. May you be that strong tar for him. And as he leans heavily upon you, that he would know that he is in the very palm of your hand where he is meant to be. Lord, we even pray for the wider family circle as they look on and as they help and aid, O Lord, that we would do so, knowing that we do it to your glory and to your honor. And we pray that through this even dark and difficult trial, that many would see the faith of this dear couple. That many would even see the faith, even some in this church, O oh Lord, and many of us. That our faith is in a great and a glorious God. Lord, this morning we pray for those who have gone on vacation and returned. And we thank you for keeping them safe. And we pray even for this upcoming week that you would be with Jeff and Jane as they finish up their vacation and time in Scotland and England, that you would enable them to say, I'm sure, very hard goodbyes to some. Some, O oh Lord, they, they may not see even this sight of eternity. We pray that you would help them. We even know the experience of what that's like, of, of the, the pull it is in the heart. And we pray that you would be near to them even this week. We ask that you would give them safe travel and mercies as they return to us again on Thursday and then up the hill on Friday and even this week. May you help Jeff as he goes into the Word and as he studies it to bring forth the truth here next Lord's Day. May you go before him and encourage him. Lord, we pray for our young people this morning. We thank you for so many in for even our children's Sunday school downstairs. We pray that you would enable the teachers to teach the truth in these days even as we're going through the commandments. We pray, O oh Lord, that the children would see even our love for your law, the delight we have in it, and that you are a good God who has given it to us. We pray for our teenagers and older, older young people as well, O oh Lord. We thank you for them. We pray even in difficult days when some stand for their faith that you would enable and equip them and help them. For those, O oh Lord, even who know you not, we pray that even this day, that they would come to saving faith in you. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us this morning. Many heads bowed, many different circumstances across varying degrees. We pray that you would meet each of us at the point of our need and that even this day, as we would leave in a few hours, that you would encourage our hearts from your word and because of who you are, our rock and our strong tower. 
Lord, be with us. Help us even as we read and expound your word. And may it be that you would receive all of the glory. For we ask it in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to our consecutive reading this morning. Consecutive reading this morning takes us again to the Gospel of Mark. And the final few verses here we have in Mark chapter 16. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Mark 16, beginning at verse 14. Again, give careful attention. This is the holy word of God. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves. And as they were reclining at table... And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the, on the sick and they will recover. So then, the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Amen. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. Let's come again now to our great God in prayer before we open up his word. Let's pray. Our great God, we come now in a time of need a time that we need your help to open up your word and to expound it. Lord, a difficult and a, a very sobering passage that we're about to read and think upon. And yet it's not a passage without hope. Because clearly we see the goodness of God and Christ through it all. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would enable us and help us to rightly divide these things, to encourage and even admonish where needed and we pray O lord that you would equip the saints in these days through the opening up of your word and through reading it we pray O lord that you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for indeed you and you alone are worthy these things we ask in christ's name amen please turn this morning to the gospel of mark again Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 and beginning to read at verse 14. Mark 6 and verse 14. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. 
Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a, gr had a, grunge, a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For where Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and, say, and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorrow, sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an, execu an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Amen. This is God's word. The passage that we've just read is one of the saddest in the entirety of the Bible. It records the events surrounding the death of John the Baptist. John, as we know, was a special man, chosen for a special mission. He was that forerunner, the forerunner of the Messiah himself. He was the very fulfillment of several Old Testament prophecies. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets to come, and he was the last martyr of the Old Testament and the first of the new. John was a powerful preacher. He was a fearless man. He was a true man of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself even said of John, and I love how the King James says it, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater 
than John the Baptist. Well, this passage reveals the details and the gruesomeness of John's death, it also records to us the death of something else. This passage records to us the death of a conscience. Our text speaks of a man named Herod. He was the complete opposite of John. He was a wicked, wicked man. A man who ruled over one-fourth of Palestine at that time. His father was Herod the Great, someone who this next month we will become very much knowing about. He was the guy in charge who was ruling when Jesus was born. It was this man's father who ordered that all those babies be born at a certain age throughout the land. When Herod died, the emperor divided his kingdom into four parts. He got a quarter. And one part was given to the man in our text this morning. He wasn't really a king. He was more of a tetrarch. That means those who are a ruler of a, th- of a fourth part. He was a wicked man. And he demanded his people even though he only had a quarter of the land, to still call him king. Herod ruled, but he was banished to now what we know as France in 39 AD. Why? Because even his own people couldn't stand him, how wicked and vile he was. Our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 13, 32 summed up the character of Herod in one word. He called him a fox. If any of you have got chickens, you will know that the fox is one of the animals that you dislike the most. Why? Because it's cunning, it's crafty, and it's wicked. Kills the chickens, shakes them to death, and then leaves them. Might eat one or two, but that's it. We will talk more about this man as we move through the passage. But what we see in these verses is something that is serious, something this week that has shook me as your pastor to the very core, and that is the conscience of a man. What we see in these verses is a picture of a person who can sin against their conscience to the point that they're capable of anything. It's possible to ignore the warnings of your heart and your soul and your mind until it can be heard no more. It is possible to so deaden the conscience that it no longer stands as that barrier between the individual and any sin that they choose to commit. This is a serious subject, and one I will confess this morning that I can merely skim the surface on. But it shows us why people can do things that they do in our day without remorse, 
or guilt. They have seared the conscience so much that it feels no thing and no longer warns them about any evil that they do. Spurgeon says this about the conscience. A man who fears not God will break all his laws with an easy conscience. But one, one who is the favorite of heaven, who has been indulged to sit at royal banquets, who knows the eternal love of God to him, cannot bear that there should be any evil way in him that might grieve the spirit and bring dishonor to the name of Christ. I'll read that again. A man who fears not God will break all his laws with an easy conscience. But one who is the favorite of heaven, who has been indulged to sit at royal banquets, who knows the eternal love of God to him, cannot bear that there should be any evil way in him that might grieve the spirit and bring dishonor to the name of Christ. Wow. We hear the old phrase, it was a little sin, or it was a wee white sin, as our grannies used to call it when I was growing up. And yet, sin is that barrier between us and God. If you were to start to do something, the Bible says that as a sin, dear saint, your conscience will and should rise up and tell you to stop. But if you have no time for God, and this morning no time for his word, you will live your life how you want to live it. And you will please your life how you want to please it with your conscience not doing anything for you. That's the world we live in today. Many people are in such trouble today. They have adopted a philosophy that says, if it feels good, do it. I keep yelling the word heresy. It's heresy. You do not live your life by your feelings. But the people that does, that does do that, that if it feels good, just go ahead and do it. What harm is there? They live to the flesh and not to God. They do as they please and their conscience never really bothers them. This morning, if I speak to you, wake up. If you live your life doing it as how you feel, I urge you this morning, waking up. The most dangerous thing that any person can do is to sin against the truth. Paul tells us that sinning against a good conscience leads to spiritual shipwreckness. A good conscience is one that knows the truth and it desires to be obedient to it. 
Brothers and sisters, this morning we need to be man and woman, if we are Christ's, with a good conscience. Because the passage this morning that we read off is the death of a conscience. And so as we open up this passage, first of all, we're going to see Herod's confusion in verses 17 through 20. Now don't worry, I didn't make another typo in my notes We need to see what his confusion was before we go back to those first few verses. Because when Herod heard about the ministry of Jesus and about the miracles that Jesus was performing and what he was doing and what he was teaching, Herod thought that Jesus was indeed John the Baptist raised from the dead. And our third point is going to be going back to those verses in 14 through 16. But we need to consider the background of why he thought the way he did. We need to consider that he believed that somehow John had come back from the dead. Verses 17 through 29 are those sort of closed brackets, those parenthetical passage in which, in which one of them, it's inside two greater movements. And in these verses, we're, we're transported back in time to the events surrounding John the Baptist's death. And here Mark allows us to have that flashback into the very mind of Herod. These verses reveal to us a soul that is in conflict. Herod is fighting a battle. A battle against the flesh and a battle against the spirit. He's confused. He's he's, um, conflicted in what he's to do. Because we're told in verses 17 and 18 that that Herod had arrested John. He arrested him not because of, you know, saying the odd word against him. No. John had courage. John looked this man in the eye and he says, you are a sinful man. You are a wicked man. You're a man who's done so many evil things, and one of them is who sits beside you. He'd married his brother's wife. He'd taken her. He'd fallen in love with her. And now he's even taken, some would say, his half-niece. They had an affair, and they left their spouses, and they married one another. It was this arrangement that John repeatedly condemned over and over again. Every time Herod heard John, John preached with faithfulness. He preached with courage. Herod was no doubt upset by this, but it seems that there was someone else in the background even more upset. Herodias, Herod's so-called wife. And between the two of them, no doubt her chirping in his ear and him not liking what he was hearing, they had John thrown into prison. What they did there is not the proper response to biblical preaching. When a preacher takes the Bible and preaches the truth from it, there are times. And just remember that I sit where you sit some Sundays. 
and have my soul fed from the word. And there are times when it seems like that word gets a little too close where we're living. It's like that age-old two-by-four right between our eyeballs. And we're struck by the truth from the word of God and we have a choice to make. We can either ignore that message. Please don't. We can either in anger as it's raised up upon us as, as our sins are being, as it were, held to the fire. We can attack the man at the door But that's also a dangerous place to be. If the man is faithfully preaching the true word of God. It's as Spurgeon says he's delivering the meal. The best thing to do. The best thing to do is to bring it to God. 1 John 1 9 says. Confess. Confess. Confess to one another. If you've sinned against your wife, seek forgiveness, but confess it to God. Why do I say that? Because there's an hour coming, and in fact, it's already here. When preachers men who bring forth the whole counsel of God are going to be and in fact are persecuted for the message we preach. If a liberal Congress has its way, preachers will be imprisoned if they preach against LGBTQ, which is wrong. It's sinful. It goes against the word of a holy God and we should have nothing to do with it. When preachers preach that same-sex marriage is unlawful and in fact is a stench in the nostrils of a holy God, we will be persecuted. When we stand and we say that abortion is the murder of the murder of innocent babies in the womb, we will be persecuted. The very gospel itself, the very truth of Christ dying on a cross in these days is being labeled hate speech. The days are coming and in fact they're right here. When those who dare to stand for the truth are going to face hardship, are going to face persecution, are going to face their head on a platter. And this morning, dear saint, I ask you, I urge you, I plead with you, are you ready? John had courage. John looked right in the eyeballs and he spoke the truth. We in our day need to do the same. From here, but also in the areas that we move in our day-to-day dealings. Are we ready? Are we ready?
Herod disliked that message so much. But yet, Herod protected John. Herodias wanted his head on a platter way before it even happened. She refused to forgive John for what he had preached, and so she held that hatred in her heart for the man of God. Herod's confusion is clear to see. He heard what John said. He knew he was telling him truth about his sins. And yet he kept John around. But isn't that the same in our day? Between the preacher and some of those that we preach to. They hate it when sin is exposed and they... They sit and in their hearts they think he's getting at me. And yet when trials come, it's the first person they call. A preacher is the herald of the word of God, not his words. Because you see, Herod was so confused. But yet he heard John. Look at verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe when he heard him. He was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Herod had a fear for John the Baptist, because he knew that John was a man of God, a righteous man. He observed John, and, and he kept John the Baptist safe under constant guard. He didn't want anything bad to happen to John. And when Herod heard John preach, he, he did many things. He, he kept him safe. He was perplexed. He had that conflict of soul. He heard the truth and he recognized it as truth. Complete confusion. Even as believers, when we read that, we wonder what is going on. And yet, no doubt, Herod tried to do good things. Well, I'll keep him safe. I'll not kill him. The saddest. And one this week that had your pastor weeping in his study is those last few words. He heard him gladly. The idea is that Herod enjoyed he enjoyed hearing John preach the word of God. And yet he did nothing with it. This morning, do you enjoy hearing the word of God? As the people of God, we should say, Amen, yes, of course we do. But I speak to you this morning if you know not Christ. How do you hear the word? This man heard it gladly. And yet a soul is in hell. There are many people in, like just like Herod in our world this day who... They get caught up in the preaching or the personality of the man, but they miss the point of the message. 
They hear their favorite preacher. But they have absolutely no intentions of doing anything that the Bible tells them to do. This morning, if you're here and God speaks to you, run to him. He was showing you even this morning, even in God's mercy, you are here one more Sunday. This morning you will even see this table of remembrance spread out and delivered of one who bled and died for you. This morning he shows you mercy and love and he cares that you are here hearing the word, but I ask you this morning, how do you hear? Do not be like Herod and play around with these things of God. Herod kept John and he treated him like he was a pet parrot. He treated the word of God like he could do as he pleased with it. This morning I urge you to waken up. No longer gladly hearing with deaf ears, but gladly hearing with ears that love to hear the words of God. Herod seared his conscience. He heard the things of John, and what did he say? No. If the Lord this morning and even in recollection of weeks gone past, has been speaking to you and your life before him, this morning you need to obey his voice. He says, come. Come. Come without delay. Come without waiting for tomorrow or the next day or the next time that you gladly hear these things. No, come today. Why? Because you may not wake up in the morning. To do otherwise, to delay and to wait, to do anything other than come today is deadly. Because it secondly takes us into this morning Herod's crime. And it was a crime. These verses give us the tragic death of John the Baptist. A mighty, mighty, fearless man of God. But a man who was sacrificed on the altar of hatred, self-gratification, and lust. See, Herodias had been biding her time. She'd heard those things she had hatred, hatred in her heart for John. And she had been waiting for an opportune moment to see John the Baptist, the one who spoke these things against her, put to death. And here in these verses, this, this chance came. It was a birthday party. This party that we read off wasn't just the mere words that we read off. And because of the crowd this morning, I won't say what was in my notes, but let's just say it would have made the hairs in the back of your neck stand on edge. And this woman, 
seeing her opportune moment, sent her daughter to dance for this man. And not only for him, but for all of his friends. This was not some dancing that you'd see in a ballroom, but no, this was something you would see in a seedy and horrible place. Why? Because it was to entice the passions of the very men in that room. These, these dances were performed by professional dancers hired for this very event. But here, this woman, this woman who hated John the Baptist saw a time when she could pull on the weakness of her husband. She had wickedness in her heart. She put her own, her daughter on display in a fashion that is not fitting for any woman to be in. What complete wickedness. And of course, she knew her husband, or her so-called husband. She knew his weaknesses. She knew that Herod's passions would be, would be driven up. And so it was. But look at how foolish he was. This girl did a dance. It enticed him. And he says, I'll give you half, up to half of what I've got. It was that foolish boast that was designed to make Herod look amazing in front of his friends and in front of his guests. And the girl runs to seek advice, to see what she should ask from, from her king. There isn't a moment of hesitation here. It's not like half an hour or an hour goes past, no. Without hesitation... That mother tells her daughter to go back and request the head of the man in whom she despises. But something to note. Even the girl adds her own sadistic plot upon it. Why? She requests that she wants it served up on a platter. In those days, when the meal was being presented, normally most of the food would be already set out except for the main dish, the meat that would be given. And it wasn't until all the guests were seated and the banquet was laid out and the wine began to flow that suddenly, on a platter, in would walk the feast that was given. Here at this time, she asks for that very same thing. Herod immediately knows that he's made a mistake. Remember back there in verse 20, he kept him safe. He had looked after him. He had, he had liked to hear what John had said. He was perplexed by these things. And yet because of pride, because of pride, he gives that young girl what she asked for. And Mark tells us immediately, 
without delay, John the Baptist is beheaded. And that grisly trophy is then presented to both the girl, her mother, and all that is around. John the Baptist is now dead. His disciples come and they take his body and they bury it. And as we read these verses, we are witnessing, as Spurgeon would say, the very death of a conscience. He refused to accept the word of God and to abide by it. He listened to the preaching of John numerous times and repeatedly after John had spoken, he said no to the word of God. And here he has, as it were, crossed that line and done the unthinkable. He's put a very man to death, a man whom he had admired, a man who he was perplexed by, but because of the anger of his wife and the pride of his heart and the searing of his conscience, John loses his head. What a tragic scene. But in these verses, there are lessons for us. They reveal to us if we take Herodias first of all. We can see the devastating power of hatred, of bitterness, of having an unforgiving spirit. She hated John so much. She wanted him dead. The Bible tells us over and over again, and even Ephesians 4, 32, Matthew 18, 21 and 22, and Luke 17, 1 through 5, that we as believers are not to live this way. We are not to hate our brother. We are not to be bitter towards one another. We are not to have an unforgiving spirit. How are we doing with that this morning? Do we love one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord? Is there bitterness in our hearts towards one another? Is there an unforgiving spirit? Then I urge you this morning, confess. Seek forgiveness. God is the only one who can help us and through his word he tells us that if we confess our sins that he doesn't just swat us out of the way and say well I'll think about it. No. He forgives us our sins. But these verses also young people they reveal the very danger of peer pressure. I'm 40 years old. And I can still vividly remember the day behind a wall at my house that my cousin handed me a cigarette and asked me to smoke. Peer pressure. I said yes. Took one puff. 
and thought I was about to die and never did it ever again. But young person this morning, those of you who are believers, can I encourage you this morning? In fact, I urge you, I beg of you, live a life that is pleasing to God and not your friends. Make sure you have good friends, faithful friends, friends that stick closer than a brother, friends that will actually tell you when you do something wrong. That is a true friend. And just because others are doing stupid stuff doesn't mean that you have to follow their lead. Be careful who your friends are. Parents, know who your children hang out with. Know who their so-called best friend is. Don't become an FBI agent and stalk everything. But engage and ask and have these people into your home. Why? Because it's what God has called us to do. We have to be faithful to the words of God. And just because others drink, because others do drugs or, or they engage in premarital sex or they're hooked on a, a pornography or they're addicted to many other things doesn't mean that you have to do it. In fact, as a believer, you must not do it. The Word of God tells you so. If that's what your friends are doing and you're a believer, they're not your true friends. Young people, I urge you this morning, See the danger of peer pressure, even in our day, conforming to small things that lead on to bigger. Keep your eyes open to these things. As it were, have your tentacles on red alert in the days that we live in. And then these verses reveal the real danger of not taming our tongue. A few weeks ago, Pastor Briggs preached an awesome sermon on James 3. If you weren't here to hear it or you didn't listen to it, can I highly recommend it to you? But he did say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a load of rubbish. Our tongue can be one of the most wicked and dangerous things that we possess. Believer, be careful. Hear this man. And all of his stupidity just blurted out what he thought everyone would want to hear and didn't count the ramifications. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. And be aware that your words can and could harm others and their life. Because thirdly, that brings us, and very quickly, all the way back to verses 14 through 16. Herod's conscience. When Herod had heard of what Jesus was doing, his conscience made one last attempt towards the truth. By this time it had been so ignored and so abused that it's hardly even functioning. And yet, look at the very grasp of a dying conscience. 
Because as soon as Herod hears about the miracles and the message and the ministry of Jesus, he right away assumes that it's John. He leaps to the conclusion that it's John raised from the dead. How could a man who I saw the very head on a platter now be doing these miracles and wonders and the guilt is eating him alive? In his heart he knows that he killed an innocent, a decent and a good man. And his conscience is so bothering them that John the Baptist has come back from the dead. That's the power of guilt. It eats us alive. We can't run from it. We can't hide from it. We can't escape its words. It it shows up when we're alone. Guilt comes calling, as, as Spurgeon says, in the very dead of night, and it gnaws at the soul, and it eats away at the mind. The only solution for guilt over past sins is to bring it to Christ. When we bring our sins to Christ, he forgives us our sins and he removes that guilt. Listen again to his promise. I've said it three times now and I hope you're getting it, but I'll say it again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dear saint, that is you this morning. He is faithful, not you. You're the sinner. But he is faithful. And he is just to forgive us our sins. What a great God we serve. Herod said, I, I have beheaded. Herod is is confessing his guilt, but there is no forgiveness. There's no repentance. There is no salvation. In these verses, we read the death of a conscience. It's one thing to know you are guilty of sin. It's another thing altogether for you to get honest about that sin. When we are honest and we repent of our sins, the Bible tells us he will forgive us. True repentance. I urge you this morning, where do you stand before a holy God? See, Herod would see Jesus. In Luke 23, the final mention of this Herod that we read of in the word of God is found in those verses. Christ had been arrested. He appeared before Pontius Pilate and Pilate sends him off to Herod. And what does he want? He wants Jesus to perform. He hadn't learned from the first time the ramifications of those things. And he's looking at this time for some spiritual entertainment. And our Lord Jesus refuses to open his mouth. 
this man will have no more opportunities. This man's conscience is so scarred that he has no compassion or love for the very one before him. This morning, where do you stand? In a few moments, we will gather around this table of remembrance. A sober and a serious thing. We all have birthday parties and we enjoy them and it's good food and it's good fellowship. But here we feast and we look upon Christ. These things are serious. So much so that we even, as people call it, fence it in. Why? Because it reminds us of what Christ has done for us. This morning, do you believe in Christ? Or do you not? Have you heard Christ this morning gladly? I hope you hear him this morning with ears to hear with eyes that are open to see Christ this morning, both sinner and saint alike, do not play around with spiritual matters. Believers, if we need to confess, do it. Lovingly, caringly to one another. If we do not know Christ, then come and confess your sins to him. This morning, I urge all of us, repent and believe. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it pricks us to our very core. We know that we are not what we should be, but we as believers are not what we once were. Oh Lord, help us in these days to live our lives according to your word and to be in your word and to be faithful to it. Lord, let us not play around with these things. There are even so many in Christian circles who hold so loosely to the word of God. May it not be for us. Help us to be faithful. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would enable and encourage us. We pray, O oh Lord, this morning for those who have come into this congregation week after week, month after month, and in fact year after year, and still do not know you. Lord, in your mercy, save their souls. We pray that even today that they would not hear these words gladly, but that they would hear them with fear and with trembling before a holy God, and that they would be like that jailer crying out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Lord, we pray. We beg of you this morning to save souls in our congregation. Lord, enable us now as we come around your table. Help us to see the glory and the wonder of Christ.
that indeed he has paid it all on our behalf. Lord, even when we walk through difficult and hard times, remind us, even off this table, that we can remember, that we can know that indeed this is not our home, that through the shedding of blood that we have an eternal salvation if we're found in Christ. We pray that we would do it reverently this morning. Help us to examine our own hearts and help us to do it according to what your word tells us to do. Lord, even help us now as we raise our voices in singing and may we do it to your glory and to your honor. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Please turn your hymn books to hymn 364. Hymn 364, Shepherd of souls, refresh and bless thy chosen pilgrim flock with manna in the wilderness, with water from the rock. Let's stand and sing together hymn number 364. seated. <laughs> 